0: Welcome to Breathe Success Radio, the podcast that brings you the most up to date information on trading, nutrition, lifestyle, and business with your host,
1: Helder Barroso.
0: Guys, welcome to another episode of the Breathe Success Radio. I'm really excited to have with me today Dr. Gazala Easy. Aziz, sorry, Scott. I knew I was going to mess that up. (laughs) (laughs) So today, uh, Doctor, uh, you're going to be speaking about uh, mainly PCOS and helping uh, females that maybe are suffering with PCOS. So before we get going into the conversation, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit more, uh, a little bit about you, tell people who you are and what your background is. Sure, sure.
1: So um, my name is Ghazala Z Scott. I'm a women's health expert um, and I combine my Oxbridge scientific knowledge with over two decades of NHS medical experience. Uh, and my special focus is on a functional approach to women's hormonal balancing and a real passion for finding holistic solutions to well-being. I want to empower women to take control of their health and really understand what's going on and actually buy simple holistic solutions Um, finding um, better ways to deal with their health problems and optimise their health. Um, so, So my initial experience of PCOS has largely been in the NHS. So I've been an NHS GP for over two decades now. Um, And even in the space of time that I've been working, you know, our understanding of PCOS has really changed. So when I first became um, a GP, you know, it was like, oh, well, it's kind of a spectrum of normal. Oh, you've got PCOS. Um, You know, people didn't really think anything of it. They thought, oh, well, you've got irregular periods. um, You're a bit spotty, you know. And it was like, well, uh, you know, um, here's a leaflet, here's the pill, here's, you know, and and off you go. And actually, as Time has gone on. We understand that it's much more complex than that, and actually, PCOS is a very complex hormonal metabolic condition, mm. and it affects women throughout their lives. So, um, it's really important that women recognise that they might have it and, and what that means for them. And we know that women who have PCOS, they have a much more increased risk of cardiovascular problems, diabetes, infertility, endometrial cancer a host of things. So it's yeah. really important that women have an understanding um, of what's going on. Now, it's incredibly common. It's about that, you know, yes. the can be up to about 10 to 20%. Um, and I think it could be growing because I think there are lots of things in our modern lifestyles that could be making us much more predisposed to having a PCOS type of picture. Mm. So I think even us talking today about the lifestyle changes that you can make to improve your hormonal balance will improve your risk of getting some kind of spectrum of PCOS.
0: Yes. So you, you said about the PCOS where, where um, doctors didn't really know much about it. How long ago was that, would you say?
1: Um, I'd say sort of 10 to 20 years you know about maybe about I'd say two to three decades ago you know the other thing is that you know women's health is so underfunded and so under-researched right um you know and I think even this PCOS it kind of falls into two camps so you know specialists aren't really that interested in it because it's you know it's a very very common condition it's not life-threatening though it has lots of implications it's not something you can chop out so you know surgeons aren't interested in it Um, and in general practice um, you know a lot of people don't have a huge amount of knowledge about it Um, the conventional treatments I think are you know they, they've got lots of issues with them, which we'll go into. Um, and so I think it falls between you know two camps where the specialists aren't dealing with it. The GPs don't really have enough knowledge to deal yeah. with it. You know they're not keeping up to with the research. And there's stacks and stacks of research coming out. Um, coming out, yeah. And also now you know functional medicine, a more integrative approach is is you know becoming more popular. Now yeah. we're beginning to see that actually PCOS is very suited to Um, you know, the the integrative approach, because it's so multifactorial.
0: And I wanted to ask you a question. I was never sure about this. You know, PCOS, is it always to do with lifestyle? Or is it something that just happens within the body for whatever reason?
1: No, no, no. I mean, lifestyle things make it worse. But I'm going to go into, um, you know, the different types of PCOS. So what we'll, we'll initially start off by doing is talking about the signs of PCOS. So we know that PCOS is... Um, very underdiagnosed and a lot of people just don't know they have it because there's so many different types. So one of the biggest, um, Symptoms is irregular periods. So women have irregular periods. They may only have two or three cycles a year. You know, it can be that irregular. And Mm. some women don't even think that that's a problem. Yes. Um, So the irregular periods are called one of the things in PCOS is that you have raised levels of androgens, which are the male sex hormones. So women do have a few, a, a small percentage of male sex hormones. So in PCOS, you have high testosterone levels. What this testosterone does is that it has an impact on your ovaries and it causes your ovaries to produce a lot less estrogen. Now, when your ovaries produce a lot less estrogen, it means that they don't do their monthly job of ovulating. If they don't ovulate, we don't produce progesterone. Progesterone is produced in the second half of our cycle and that is produced after ovulation and progesterone prepares the lining of the womb for possible implantation. So we don't produce progesterone in this situation. Now, low levels of progesterone then have a feedback on the brain and um, it has an impact on this hormone called luteinizing hormone and luteinizing hormone levels go up This then stops the ovary producing even more estrogen, and it also causes the ovary to produce more testosterone. So, we get into this vicious cycle where we've got too much testosterone, and that testosterone just keeps going round and round and round. We're getting more and more testosterone, and lower levels of estrogen, and very low levels of progesterone. Progesterone. And, um, that now the where. PCOS, you know, the the, the, the metabolic implications all kick in. Is that the high testosterone levels causes insulin resistance? It causes yes. your insulin levels to rise, and this is one of the the factors in PCOS that causes all of the long term implications. So this is, you know, how we get irregular periods. The second um, thing that really disturbs a lot of women is hirsutism. So hirsutism is where we get hair where we don't want it. So in the male pattern. So women get a lot of hair on their face, on their chest, on their arms. And it's quite thick, coarse hair. And Mm. this can be really disturbing for women and especially women of darker skin um, you know they've already got dark hair so if it's thicker and coarser this can yeah. be really uh, disfiguring and so you know women can spend a lot of money on electrolysis and laser treatments to try and get rid of this hair the other thing with PCOS is weight gain. It's really really easy to put on weight and it's really really difficult to lose, to lose it. Yeah. And yeah, and and it's and it is a metabolic issue. I mean, I have got several friends, close friends who've got PCOS and actually they're really good with their diets, but it's really hard for them to lose weight. Yeah. So mechanisms underlying um the the the, the issues with weight gain are insulin resistance. So if you're insulin resistant, you are going to gain weight. And the other thing is um, leptin resistant. Leptin is a hormone that's secreted by our fat cells. And it's the hormone that signals to your brain that you're full up, stop eating. And in um, people with PCOS, leptin uh, production is very, very low. So actually they don't have that feedback mechanism. So it's really easy for them to overeat. Of course, yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, the other thing, another thing is acne. So a lot of women have uh, very bad skin. So increased testosterone causes a lot of sebum production in the skin and, um, they're, they're much more prone to getting um, acne, especially around the mouth. Um, a lot of women don't discover they might have PCOS till they start thinking, Oh, I want to have a baby and then they have problems in conception. Now, one of the issues is if you're only having two or three periods per year and you're not ovulating, how are you going to get pregnant? You're not releasing an egg. Yes. Um, But we also know that the, um, the insulin resistance that's created by the PCOS hormonal pattern also has an impact on the ovaries. So there is more inflammation in the ovaries and it doesn't create the ideal environment in the ovaries for ovulation either. Mm. Inflammation itself also has an impact on people's fertility. Um, other, other things that people can notice is that they have more skin pigmentation. They have This is called acanthosis nigrans. It's like this sort of velvety black pigmentation. They can have it in their underarms, in their thigh creases. Um, Depression and anxiety is also very, very prevalent in women with PCOS. Um, I mean, some of it is also the um, disfiguration they feel, you know, when they're overweight, they've got acne, they've got hairy skin. They just don't, you know, people lose their self-confidence. It's very hard for them to address those issues, even though they try quite hard. Um, You know, in our society, so much emphasis is put on appearance, you know, Mm. with social media. So it becomes quite a problem. But there are metabolic issues with the PCOS that predispose women to getting um, psychological issues. So we know that. Inflammation in the body also causes inflammation in the brain um, and this can predispose women to getting depression and anxiety. We know that inflammation in the body affects the gut microbiome. Now these are the bacteria that we've got in our gut and they're very important for producing neurotransmitters. Neurotransmitters are the, the, the chemicals in our brain that you know, can have the feel good factor in our mood and a lot of that can be disturbed by these metabolic changes of polycystic ovaries. Um, some women can get sleep apnea. So sleep apnea is when people don't get a good quality of sleep. It's very often related to obesity mm. um, and that can really impact people's quality of life. Um, fatty liver is another thing that women can get. And this is because the insulin resistance means that we don't absorb glucose into ourselves. Now this excess glucose is floating That's around our blood. bloodstream yeah. and it then becomes fat And it becomes a very toxic kind of fat called triglycerides. And triglycerides go and sit in the liver. And then this gives you a fatty liver. Now, this is reversible if people are able to address their lifestyle issues. But if they're not, then this can become a big problem. And finally, I'm going to talk about the ovarian cysts. So polycystic ovarian syndrome. People always think, oh, well, it's about the cysts. But actually, the cysts are not always present in women with polycystic ovary so when you look in young women they have um lots of they often have quite a lot of cysts but as women get older those cysts you know aren't so apparent so you can't always rely on poly the polycystic appearance on the ultrasound mm. to diagnose you with polycystic ovary you have to look at all of the symptoms and the patterns that you're you're seeing um, so we'll, we'll go into how is it diagnosed how how can someone know that they've got polycystic ovaries yes. so in conventional medicine we have this thing called the rotterdam criteria and there are three things there is irregular cycles um, high androgens which are the male hormones so yes. testosterone is one of them and um, cysts on the ovaries but you can have a diagnosis of polycystic ovaries if you've got two out of three of these criteria okay. so some women have raised um, testosterone um, they have irregular periods, but they've got no cysts. Some women have got a normal a testosterone, they've got irregular periods and they've got cysts. So you can have a bit of a combination. And very often people can move through different combinations mm. during the course of their lives. So the classic polycystic ovary is that you've got all three of the, these, these yes. features. Um, and this is... The the kind of polycystic ovaries that is the insulin resistant polycystic ovaries. This is the one that's associated with what doctors call metabolic syndrome. So you've got a higher risk of heart problems, cholesterol problems. You could have a stroke. It's really not good, Um, and it has lots of long term implications for the body. And that that's the kind of PCOS where you see women putting on a lot of weight, often being obese. Even you know, with the best will in the world, where they're trying. Mm. We also have inflammation-based PCOS. Now this is a lot to do with our modern lifestyles. So this is the number of toxins we've got in the environment causing inflammation in our body. This is to do with uh, chronic viral infections. This is to do with um, hormone disruptors. So there's lots of things in in, in, in the products that we use in our homes to clean our homes, cosmetics that are what we call xenoestrogens. So they're actually endocrine disruptors so they disrupt the, the hormonal balance in our body and also in functional medicine we call it the sad diet because functional medicine is largely um, from the state so it's the sad American diet and i say the bad the bad uh, the, you know the bad British diet um really um So essentially, you know, many people have diets that are extremely high in processed foods and that's the new toxin. Processed foods, you know, people are rushing around, buying loads of ready yeah. meals and plastic sticking them in the microwave you know we've lost that you know that 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 sort of what our, you know the, the pattern of eating that our grandparents had where mm. there was lots of whole unpressed food unprocessed Absol- food absolutely. so now it's you know really high sugar content i noticed on facebook you pe- posted that that um, blueberry muffin from costa or wherever it's crazy it's well, 409 calories, madness. 27 grams of sugar. sugar,
0: yeah,
1: and about four grams of protein. And I thought, oh my god, you know that is actually the calorific, uh, you know, content of a meal, really. And you Absolutely. haven't even had a new latte at
0: that no, stage, which people, people would have <laughs> had would have had a latte and a muffin, yeah. right?
1: These yeah, are, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a calories. Calories. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that is like poison to your body. It yeah. really is. That sugar is like poison. And actually, we know that, you know, the obesity epidemic is largely about sugar. You know, mm. th- there's a lot of negative messages that we had in the past that it's all about fat, you know, low fat, low fat, low fat. Yes. But yes. actually, it's not low fat. It's the fact that because people have low fat, they have more carbs. And a lot of the low fat products that people buy... Um, they're apt they taste crap if you don't have sugar in them. Yes. So the low fat products actually Higher have in
0: carbohydrates. Different. Yes. Yeah.
1: So actually this is what's causing our obesity epidemic. Um the other type of polycystic ovaries you can get is the ones that's induced by synthetic hormones. So lots of women who go on the pill for years and years and years or have a coil put in, when that coil is removed or they go off the pill, they have really, really irregular cycles. And if they're a bit overweight, you know, they can get a sort of PCOS type of picture. Or,
0: or, or no cycles at all. I've, I've, I've actually, I actually know somebody who was on the coil for many years, has come off the yeah. coil to try and get pregnant and she, she hasn't had a period for about a year
1: yeah so i mean in that situation she might have subclinical pcos i mean that that obviously once you haven't had a period for a year that needs to be looked at but yeah. you know though when you disrupt the natural pattern of your body um you know very often it take, you, you, your brain forgets that feedback loop between your ovaries and your brain to yes. like, have the regular cycles and of with course. pcos that's obviously switched off anyway yeah. or very weak so you can see that if you've switched it off through synthetic um, hormones. Actually, sometimes your body just goes. I don't know what to do now. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you do definitely need to seek medical help as to you know what you might be able to do to to get things yeah. back online. So the so with all of the so this is how we diagnose polycystic ovaries. In if you go to your GP, very often they'll do a few simple blood tests. A lot of GPs won't even be looking at the metabolic picture. And also the metabolic picture develops over time. So if you've got a young woman coming in, in her early twenties, she probably hasn't got the full metabolic picture. She's just in the early stages yes. of her PCOS. Um, so the way we would do, we would often carry out some hormonal blood tests, um, look at your testosterone levels, send you off for an ultrasound. And so we'd have you know some kind of idea of what's going on. But In the functional medicine world and in the integrative medicine world, we'd be doing a hell of a lot more to investigate the exact nature of what your PCOS is. Number one, we'd have taken a very complex history, you know, often 45 minutes to an hour of really what is going on with you. So we then, you know, have much more of an idea of what sort of things we need to target. And then Mm. in the functional medicine world or, you know, at the clinic that I work at, the Marion Gluck Clinic, we will often do insulin levels we will also look at your cortisol production we will also look at um we do this test called the dutch test which is looking at the metabolites of different hormones in your urine and through that we get a much more detailed picture of Of what's what's going going on for each individual woman um so Uh, And then obviously the ultrasound is 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 quite a useful investigation because, you know, we can see whether you've got cysts or not. So in the conventional world, um, very often, I mean, again, the use of metformin, which is an anti-diabetic drug, goes in fashion. So, you know, about 10 years ago, it was quite in fashion. And, you know, especially women with the typical PCOS with the insulin insulin resistance. resistance. Um, you know, metformin was was being used. And it. I, I mean, I've had experience where I think it has helped certain women lose weight, but it's got a lot of side effects. Yes. It's got, you know, it, ha- it can cause bloating, it can cause diarrhea, it can cause nausea. And the other thing is, um, what we hope is that if we gave you metformin and you lose weight, your insulin sensitivity would go down and your hormonal balance would improve. But we yes. haven't really taught you about what the root causes of your problem are. Exactly. So at some stage, you've got to come off that metformin. Yes. And when you come off that metformin, you know if you, you, carry, on do, with
0: his, if you carry on with big. your normal lifestyle, you're probably going yeah. to put that weight back on.
1: Or you're not specifically addressing. I think people, women with PCOS, unfortunately, can't be naughty. They have to really be good Strict, with their yeah. lifestyles. They can't take their finger off the, pe- the of the, of, the, of the accelerator. If they do, then they pile the weight back on again. And that and I, you know, I think it is. It's a tough condition to deal with for a lot yes. of people. Yes. Yes. Um. So metformin, you know, um, I think I think if you're pre-diabetic, so if you know your doctor's done some blood tests and you have uh, markers in your blood that show that you're pre-diabetic, maybe it's an option for you. But I think we have to think long and hard about what are the root causes of of your PCOS. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then when a, a lot of women get put on the pill, so a lot of women get alarmed by the fact that they, they're not getting regular cycles. So. Actually, if you put them on the pill and they get a regular withdrawal bleed, they think, great, I'm getting regular cycles. But they're
0: not ovulating, are they?
1: No. The thing about the pill is that you're you're giving someone artificial hormones, which switches off ovulation. Yes. So while you're taking the pill, you're getting these withdrawal bleeds, but these are not natural cycles. Now, there's a lot of controversy about the pill at the moment because, you know, it, it, I think you know with the sort of you know women's revolution and women delaying childbirth and becoming very careery it was actually ideal you thought right you put women on the pill, they're not going to get pregnant. It's a very, very reliable form of contraception. And then women can wait for two decades and then they can get pregnant. Yes. Now we're realizing that actually it's very important for women to have some kind of sense of what their hormonal balance is and what their natural cycles are. And we actually know that our natural hormones have lots of benefits for our body. Synthetic hormones have side effects. And a lot of women don't realize what these side effects are. They've been on the pill for so long, they don't even know what's normal for them. Absolutely. what we're finding now is actually um, the synthetic estrogen may not be sufficient in quantity for, uh, for, for women. And also it can interfere with serotonin, which is one of the, the feel-good hormones in yep. your brain, the neurotransmitters, you know, that, that improves your mood. So a lot of women can actually feel a bit low on the pill. Depressed and, yeah. We also know that synthetic progestogens can actually stimulate testosterone receptors. Now, if you've got PCOS and you've got a problem with, with testosterone, you're adding it on. You're adding it on. So actually, you know, your symptoms can get worse. Um, so we, we're now thinking actually, you know, it's really important for women to have much more sense of their natural cycle. Actually, you know, women, that the natural cycle is probably um, quite beneficial if you work with it. So women often find that they feel really good in the first half of their cycle. Their libido is high in the middle of their cycle yeah. and they're more creative. Yes. And then, actually the period is supposed to be a time for you to rest relax. and reflect and Absolutely. self-care and relax
0: Absolutely. so actually
1: a lot of women if you if you go with your cycle you think right i'm not going to plan some high-powered presentation in the middle of my period Absolutely. i'm going to do it at the beginning of my cycle you know i think they can what you can work more with your body instead of just switching everything off yes now the other thing is you know a lot of women They've been on the pill for for maybe a couple of decades. They may not even know they've got polycystic ovaries. Mm. Then, hey presto, 35, they go, right, 20 years of the pill, I want to have a baby. They come off the pill and it's a disaster. They don't know what their patterns are. They don't know what's going on with their body. And then they're not ovulating. Um, So this is the problem. And then in dive the gynecologists and the IVF experts and off they <laughs> go and and then before you know it they're on an IVF cycle
0: yeah
1: um so I mean initially um you know women uh, in general practice we used to give women this agent called clomiphene now we used to be able to give it in general practice about 10 20, about 20 years ago and it's an ovulation induction agent but you can't do that anymore that has to be given in Um, in in the specialist setting because you have a risk of twin pregnancies and ovarian hyperstimulation so we don't do that anymore but this is where I really think it's important for women to realize that actually you know the pill may not be the answer to everything and the problem with conventional medicine is we use the pill for absolutely every single female hormonal ailment it's like let's just switch your ovaries off that's the that's the that's the, the the solution but it really really isn't mm. um so you know i really want to get that message out there but Absolutely. you know maybe think about other forms of contraception and you know in general practice when i've seen somebody's been on it for about 10 years i might say to them well you know maybe you should come off it for a while maybe we should see you know how your body's working yeah so um so i'd like to talk a little bit about you know what the integrative approach um yes, for sure. to, to PCOS. So, as we've covered, it's massively underdiagnosed. Um, it's massively under-resourced PCOS, and also the, the long-term consequences are massively under-recognized. And I think it's really important to put the patient at the center of this situation. So I think it's very important in the integrative approach, we look at the physical, the psychological, the spiritual, um, you know, what kind of environmental factors are going on for the woman, um, and we we try and develop a personalised strategy. So we're looking at what are the patient's goals, what are the patient's unique circumstances, what are their what are their needs, and we try and get a unique picture of what's going on for that woman yeah. in her particular life. Um, and then we look at what are the appropriate interventions. Now it's not you know it's not hocus pocus. We are we it, they are they are um, scientific based. Um, interventions you know we can use things from conventional medicine we can use things from the integrative world um, we can use um, acupuncture is known to improve ovulation there's lots of herbal adaptogens we can use there's lots that we need to make sure women are maximizing their diet Everything. their lifestyle the supplements so there's so many, many different things together. that we can look at for each individual woman Um, so so um, and we'll just have a quick chat about the, the root causes of um, PCOS. Yeah. So we know that for many women, it's a genetic condition. So, um, and it's carried through both the maternal and the paternal genes. So in the days of old, in the hunter-gatherer days, being, having PCOS was probably a survival advantage because if you've got a body that conserves fat and conserves energy, you're going to survive. If there was a famine or periods of no food, you would survive. And if you were slightly less fertile, that was an advantage to you because in the days before the pill, you know, women had multiple pregnancies and women often died in childbirth. So if you couldn't ovulate that much, you can't you can't get so pregnant. You, you can't get pregnant. And then basically that does confer some kind of survival advantage on you. And then you've only got a few children, so you have more resources to raise those children. Yes, yes. And indeed, you know, for for men as well, there are some metabolic advantages to carrying, you know, sort of, you know, the genes related to PCOS. PCOS. So this is why, you know, you'd think, well, why why has this not been wiped out? Because actually, to a certain extent, it did confer a survival advantage. Mm. And the thing is, before we had you know, Costa muffins and lattes, yes. people couldn't eat that much. You know, you had to go and kill your animal, you know, pick your crops, pick your yeah. yeah. make your food, and that was it. Then you had nothing. You didn't have the fridge. So actually people's BMIs, uh, you know, they just didn't get that fat. They weren't yes. that big. Um, so, you know, this is where, you know, it's our modern, modern life where food is just available at every single opportunity, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That, that this is, this is the, therefore what's exacerbated, you know, um, this situation and what underpins PCOS and its metabolic complications is inflammation, inflammation in the body everywhere. So women with PCOS have a low grade of inflammation everywhere in their body um and a lot of this inflammation comes within the fat tissue so we used to think fat was just fat you know it was like an inert thing and you know you could liposuction it off but actually it's not we know that it's a very active metabolic tissue and it's got good you know we know that fat tissue has got advantages for the body so a lot of our hormones can be made in the fat tissue and um leptin our friend leptin that we've spoken about who, who it, that's your you know i've had enough to eat yeah, hormone yeah. um that comes from fat tissue so your fat tissue signals uh, releases a leptin signals to your brain you've had enough to eat stop, stop and stop. that's when you've got a good balance um but in women with pcos what happens is that they have abnormal um patterns of leptin secretion and the fatter they get. the the more that pattern gets disrupted. They also have low levels of another hormone called adiponectin. And adiponectin is really important in blood sugar regulation and breakdown of your tissue. So if you haven't got enough of that, then that can have a metabolic impact. The other thing is when your fat cells get to a certain size, they get leaky and they leak these things called non-esterified fatty acids out. Now, these are really toxic and um, cause um, all sorts of, Inflammation um, in your body and it causes inflammation so you get all of these inflammatory markers being thrown out um things like um interleukins and cytokines and the, these the inflammatory response when it's in when when you've got a bacteria entering, entering your body the inflammatory response is important it's important to catch that bacteria and get rid of it mount your immune response but when you've got inflammation gone wild then all of these inflammatory markers that are thrown off have a really, really negative impact on your body. And this is what happens in PCOS. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we've, we've had a lot learned, heard a lot about in the, the media about obesity and the link with COVID. So again, obesity causes this lipotoxicity and all of these inflammatory markers, that, uh, inflammatory chemicals that get thrown off, this impacts your immune system. So we know there's a big link between you know, how you your your prognostic um you know your prognosis with COVID and how you know mm. how big you are. And this is probably why, you know, we know that you know Ameri- America has a, an obesity epidemic and this yes. is why air rates are so ridiculously really high. high. Yeah. Even in the UK. So it's really important to understand that fat tissue is not always healthy and it's really important for us to to address obesity. Yes. Um so what do we do about all of this? Absolutely. So, so um, let's talk about diet. So um, what we know is that it's really important to to address diet and lifestyle in PCOS. And it's really important to optimize um, your diet and your lifestyle to, to get the best possible results. Now. You know, bearing in mind, it is hard to lose weight. And if you lose weight, it's very hard to regain it. So you're up, you know, I I find with a lot of women with the classical type of PCOS, they're on an upward mountain. And I think it's really important for people to have a compassionate um, understanding of, of, um, you know, both for the person with the PCOS and for health professionals dealing with Helping them, them, of course. It's not easy for them and they do need a lot of support and understanding um, to you know, to 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 help them find the best solution for themselves. You know, they probably most women with classic PCOSs are never going to be, you know, skinny supermodel types. Yes, yes, they're not. But I think if we can optimize their health and get them into the best possible metabolic Absolutely. health for them, the best, you know, and, and teach them ways that they can help, I think we can. I think we can improve things a lot. Also, if we can look at their hormonal balance in much more detail, we can actually target um different aspects of their hormonal balance um in different ways so the kind of diet that we recommend for um pcos is a diet that's low gi so essentially really important to have low amounts of processed carbohydrates so all the white stuff bread pasta rice potatoes cut it out eat in very small quantities and replace with much more whole grain stuff Um, so that that's a really important message is low glycemic index. Now, fats are really important, but it's got to be good fats. So we've yeah. got to look at things. Um, so good fats would be things like the, the fats that are found in nuts, seeds, yeah. avocados, olive oil, fish. Um, fish. These fats have got a lot of omega-3, and we know that omega-3 is protective. Anti-inflammatory. In- yeah. It's an anti-inflammatory, it it reduces insulin resistance and it also reduces testosterone levels. So good fats are really important. Um, we also know that um eating a wide variety of um vegetables with lots of phytonutrients and antioxidants. So eat the rainbow plate. When you look at your plate, it should be nice and colourful, yeah. it shouldn't be uniform. And the rainbow plate, I think, is a really good good, good term. Eat the rainbow plate. Um, Most of your plate should be covered with vegetables. Um, Protein. Proteins are really important. And I think that it's really important for people to have good quality protein. And, you know, maybe... I mean, I think you know. There's a lot of people who, you know, veganism is very popular nowadays. Yes. Um. And I think you know, and we were talking that a lot of your clients are um Asian. So in you know in in Asian vegetarian culture, vegans. Yeah. Of, yeah. Lots of people are vegan. Lots of people are vegetarian. But actually, that Asian people come from a line of people who have been vegan and vegetarian for a long, long yes, period and of time. So, yes. Yeah. Their bodies may be quite adapted to it, and their genetics may be quite adapted to it. That the kind of fashion for it now, and we 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 have so many overprocessed vegan foods available in the market. They're really toxic, mm. you know. All those processed vegan foods—they're not good for you. If you're going to go vegan, then you've got to actually pay a lot of attention to your nutrition, and you've still got to go for the whole unprocessed foods. It's so hard. Yeah, it's very, it's actually very hard yeah. to get a balanced diet and to get the amount of protein that you, that you need, you know, like you have to eat a whole packet of falafels to get the same amount of protein as a yeah. piece of chicken or whatever.
0: This is one of the arguments I've, I've had in the past with uh, people that are vegan is that I say to them, look, it's not just about uh, you eating lentils. You know, we need our essential amino acids, which we can't get in in small mm. amounts yeah we have to eat a lot of of different vegetables and different grains to be able to get those yeah 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 therefore that's going to increase your uh, your calorie intake so if if you're trying to lose weight that's going to be a bit of a counterproductive thing to do so yeah i'm I'm not saying you shouldn't be vegan but i'm just giving you the the
1: i think i think people need to be aware um, you know uh, of of some of the nutritional deficiencies they can have you know um and it's and you know and and being a proper vegan where you're eating a lot of whole unprocessed foods and doing Quality it well foods. it's very time
0: consuming very very much
1: um you know and and you know and so you have to be very committed and i think you probably you know do need some you know you might need to get some uh some advice from a from a nutritionist and yeah. um, to, to be getting it right yes
0: um
1: the other thing is avoid an, an inflammatory fat so you know again um you know a lot of Asians who are vegetarian, they eat a lot of fried foods. So a lot of their calories come from eating deep fried foods. And a lot of this is in vegetable oil. Now we know vegetable oils have very high levels of omega six. And when foods are fried, this kind of fat is very, very inflammatory for the body. So. Anyone who's got PCOS should really try hard not to eat deep fried foods because Mm. this can be really aggravate them. The other thing is in the functional medicine world, we talk about an anti-inflammatory diet and we know that gluten causes leptin resistance. So leptin can't bind to its receptors in the brain because of gluten. And you know, this has evolved because we're eating so much more gluten now. So again, you know, we've moved from, you know, low fat, low protein to high carbs. And a lot of the carbs are bread and wheat products, which have a lot of gluten and our bodies just aren't adapted to have that, that, that level of gluten. And especially, you know, in the States, there's a lot of genetically modified gluten. So this causes autoimmune problems for our bodies and we actually mount um you know antibody responses to this gluten and this can have all sorts of problems so we know that if you're obese you're likely to have leptin resistance and gluten makes it worse so the the message is avoid overeating too much gluten um you know and especially if you've got pcos you know you've already got issues with not producing enough um leptin you know so so that's something to avoid the other thing is dairy we know that dairy and especially um, branch chain amino acids, very common in dairy products. And a lot of dairy products are, um, you know, you get low fat dairy products and that the low fat is replaced with sugar. So actually some low fat dairy products really aggravate inflammation, um, you know, and so that's another thing that people need to be aware of. It's better to have a a little bit of a high fat dairy product with less sugar than have a low fat sugary dairy product. that's something to be aware of and you know I I don't know in your you know with personal training whether you know you you sometimes get people to have whey protein powders
0: yeah, a whey protein, or even or even a yeah. vegan protein powder, yeah. or rice yeah. protein. so powder. whey
1: protein is, is actually it's great for people who don't have an obesity problem. And we know that after you've been exercising, actually, um, using one of these protein powders can help your muscles build up, you know, build muscles. Yeah. It's actually very positive. But if you've got PCOS, you're probably better off having you know a more vegan based protein powder yes. rather than a dairy one. Um, So these are the the things that that are really important. Now, intermittent fasting has also become quite trendy these days. There's a huge, huge, huge scientific basis behind it. And, you know, it's quite exciting because actually it does... I think it's very, very effective. And certainly, you know, my NHS practice, um, there's, there's some GPs involved with diabetes care and they've been really, really promoting intermittent fasting to help people get out of pre-diabetic states. And it's really, it really works. So I think with people with PCOS, because they've got um, insulin resistance and they've got high levels of insulin in their body, intermittent fasting either sort of a 12 hour pattern so you eat within a 12 hour window and then you don't eat for 12 hours but it's much better if you can do 18 um, 16 16, 18 yeah yeah so if you can do eat it within um um a six uh, an eight hour -hour window
0: window.
1: yeah so say you eat from 11 o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock at night but then from seven o'clock at night no food should pass your mouth until 11 o'clock the next morning yeah you can drink fluids and stuff but you know so many people don't realize you know they have real grazing behavior you know they'll have their dinner then they'll sit uh, you know with their tea watching tv um you know having a snack and you know we've got this kind of concept that you know we should never feel hungry we should be just snacking Mm. all the time and keep our blood sugar stable but actually not true um and actually you know going into you know a semi-starvation mode for part of the day is really really healthy for your body and it it makes your insulin uh homeostasis much much more um Absolutely. Sensitive I, much more
0: I um I myself I've, I've been doing that for years and years and years I, I probably have my last meal at half five and I don't need I don't need to get until about nine o'clock in the morning yeah so that's around Fourteen, sixteen hours, and
1: months. yeah, perfect, perfect. I mean, if you think about it, you know, religious traditions have always had some form of fasting. Most yeah. religious traditions, I mean, you know, Buddhist monks, for instance, I think they don't eat beyond four or five o'clock in the evening. Yeah, um, you know, and then in Muslims have got Ramadan, and you know, Hindu people have yeah. fast. So I think you know, the, 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 you know, fasting's always been recognized around yeah there's maybe quite important but you know now we've got real scientific proof it does decrease your insulin levels it does improve your um uh your lipid profile or uh, what it does uh, as well is it reduces your calorie intake yeah 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 i think it does it's harder to you know so i think overall it's it's excellent um yeah. The other thing that I, I wanted to just briefly touch on that's very trendy these days is gut health. So, you know, lots of people are talking about gut health. And yes. you know, certainly when I was at medical school all those decades ago, we, we didn't know anything about the microbiome. Yeah. We weren't taught about the microbiome. But now, you know, in the functional medicine world is, you know, really buzzing with the gut microbiome. And we recognize that 80% of our immune system is lies our within our gut. So ancient, um, you know, uh, so Ayurvedic principles, you know, they, it talks about the gut as being the central axis your health and we now know that um you know those the balance of those bacteria in your gut are totally totally essential to your to health and actually most people have a lot of what we call dysbiosis so the bacteria is not balanced um you know things like antibiotics and a lot of the things that we have in our modern diets are, are really toxic and with polycystic ovaries with pcos we know that women are much more prone to dysbiosis because High testosterone levels, high cortisol and insulin resistance all cause the bacteria in your butt, gut to not be um, balanced very well. Now, these gut bacteria are responsible for um, metabol- metabolism. They're responsible for um, balance of the neurotransmitters, which you know, affect our moods. They're also very important for hormonal balance. So the way our estrogen is cleared from our body very much depends on the health of our microbiome. So some very key principles um, to, to, to have a healthy gut is think about prebiotic foods. So prebiotic foods are things like onions, garlic, um, asparagus, leeks. Um, these things are really, really good for, 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 the, for the gut bacteria like to chomp on all of that. Yeah. And that keeps them happy. Um, probiotics are things like um, kefir, it's food that's got um, lactobacillus in them, so live yogurt, that sort of thing, can yep. be quite good to to get um, good bacteria into your gut, and also fermented foods. So this is quite trendy now. People drink yes. kombucha, they eat yes. kimchi. Um, so you know, most most um, cultures have some kind of pickle. You know, pickles yep. are really popular in Indian food. Yep. Um, so pickles um, are very, you know, they 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 have lots of beneficial bacteria. So it's it's a good idea trying to try and have some kind of fermented food um, yeah, on a sure. daily basis. Um, and then, you know, environmental factors in general, you know, it, it's shocking the level of toxins we have in our environment. So, um, you know, try and use eco-friendly products on your skin, in your, in your home, you know, because these chemicals do build up. We have no yeah. idea how much these chemicals are building up in our Absolutely. system. And, you know, we, they, we can't really run away from it. Yes. Uh, because this is our modern life. We can okay, try you know, and minimize think, it. Yeah, trying to be aware of it, I think is really, really important. And this is where also eating the rainbow plates is really important because we've got toxins flying around everywhere, but the phytonutrients that you eat in all of those vegetables, are really good at helping your liver clear those toxins. You know, we've, yeah. we, we can clear about 200,000 different types of toxins from our body. So the body is very, very good at healing itself and looking after itself, provided you provide it with the right Absolutely. Uh, situation and circumstances. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing is exercise exercise we now recognize is just so important not just for weight loss and keeping your health stable but also for mood movement movement daily movement daily enjoyable movement is actually really really important and we know that strength training can be really important in women with pcos as well that can also help their hormonal balance Um, and finally sleep we need to sleep a good eight hours a day we know that our brains clear away lots of toxins yep. uh, while we're sleeping Obviously at night um you know and a lot of people aren't getting enough sleep so i think you know uh, there's a very good book by dr matthew walker yep. very popular Absolutely. about you know the importance of sleep and i think it's a really good read and you know it's, it's yeah it's really important for us to recognize how important that is yeah so so this is our, our little potted summary of, yeah. of PCOS. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what we do at the Marion Gluck Clinic. Um, uh, so this is this is uh, we're a we're, we're a pioneering clinic in bioidentical hormone balancing and integrative women's health. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, bioidentical hormones are hormones that are exactly the same structure as the hormones of your body so a lot of women uh, associate bioidentical hormones with um, the menopause and uh, perimenopause and yes of course we see lots of women um who who are are presenting with those symptoms but we can also use bioidentical hormones in helping women with pcos so um so I'm going to talk a little bit about adrenal health. So our adrenal glands sit on the top of our kidneys. They're tiny little glands and they're really, really, really important. So our adrenal glands produce our stress hormones. So cortisol is our stress hormone and cortisol is really, really important in our body. So it's like, um, we need small amounts of cortisol for our immune responses. Um, for our flight and fight response. So, you know, if you walk in front of the road and a bus goes by and you think you're going to be knocked over, you need that little burst of of, of adrenaline to make you run. Um, But the problem with our modern lifestyles is that we are pumping out cortisol so you know it's not that it's not the tiger that we're threatened by you know like in our hunter-gatherer days it's just life in general there's just so much overstimulation there's so much stress the digital age has brought about its own stresses where people are constantly on high alert and this is having quite an impact on our physiology and a lot of people have very very high cortisol levels the other thing, so, adre- so adrenal glands produce cortisol, but our adrenal glands also produce androgens, which are the male sex hormones. And we know that in PCOS, women have an abnormal pattern of androgen secretion, even yeah. from their adrenals. So we've talked about, we get too much testosterone from our ovaries, but we also have from the too adrenals. much androgens from the adrenals. And so there are different patterns of hormonal, there are different hormonal patterns in PCOS. Yeah. So in, our, in the integrative world, we're able to tease this out a lot more than in conventional medicine. So we can target our treatments and give women the right sort of advice, yeah. depending on the pattern of their hormones. So we know that um, you can get an adrenal dominant pattern of PCOS and you can get a, an ovarian dominant pattern yes. of PCOS. And there, there's a difference in how much inflammation and cardiovascular risk you have. So we know that with um, the adrenal type, the cardiovascular risk is not so high. It's much higher when you're getting, um, you know, a lot of um, testosterone coming out of the ovaries. So there's there are some fantastic tests we can do. Um, so there's this, uh, there's a test called the DUTCH test, which stands for Dry Urine Total Comprehensive hormone analysis and it's essentially looking at the metabolites of all the different hormones um in your body um if, in the urine so you know we we, look, we test urine samples but we we have to send the st- test off to the states so although the labs are in england that we get the packs from the, the actual test has to go off to the states so it takes a few weeks but we get this amazing printout yeah. of Production of female hormones, how everyone metabolizes their different hormones. What's the different patterns of adrenal androgens, testosterone from the ovaries. What's converting into what? It's just phenomenal. I love the Dutch test, Um, and so that gives us a lot of useful information. It also gives us the the pattern of cortisol in the urine. Um, So that's that. That's fantastic. The other thing that we Uh, look at is cortisol patterns so very often you know this is where the individualized picture is so important so you might have a woman who's had who's got pcos but who had a lot of trauma who's got a lot of stress going on Mm. it's not just the pcos causing stress there may be other very stressful life events that have gone on And this dysregulates the what we call the hypothalamic pituitary axis. So this is the axis from your brain um, that goes to your ovaries, it goes to your adrenal glands. And this is the sort of hormonal highway where everything is controlled and the levels of hormones are controlled. Mm. So very often, Women can you know, women who've had a lot of stress can have very sensitive hypothalamic pituitary axis. And what then happens is that they have high levels of cortisol. Cortisol is like the king hormone. Cortisol controls the balance of all the other hormones in your body. So if your cortisol is elevated, what happens is that your body puts a lot more energy into producing cortisol at the expense of your sex hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, it can also make you more prone to getting thyroid issues. Um, so by measuring your cortisol, we can do this by looking at saliva, uh, looking at the, the cortisol in your saliva, we get a pattern of what your cortisol pattern is during the course of the day. There's a, another thing we look at is a cortisol awakening response. So when you wake up in the morning, if you've got a, you know, a good cortisol response, you should be fired up, ready to go. So yes, within yes. the first hour of waking up, your cortisol levels should go up by at higher, least higher. 50%. Um, and for some people who have had a lot of trauma they they just don't mount um a response you know to this so they they don 't get very high cortisol levels and they they remain quite flat during the course of the day mm-hmm. and this has lots of implications for them so in the, in, so looking at a person holistically, there may be um, situations where I think, oh, I need to do a Dutch test on this person. I need to look at their adrenal glands in more detail. I need to look at their cortisol response. And we're able to do this. So this is where, you know, I love the cutting edge science that, that, that we're able to access. But, but, you know, using it in, in to create a, a holistic treatment plan for the patient. Um, and um, there, there are lots of supplements that um, we can suggest that can modulate the stress response. So if people are having very high cortisol levels, there are lots of supplements that we can suggest that can bring the cortisol levels down. So these are adaptogens that, you know, uh, have been used in ancient traditions for a long time. There's ashwagandha, rhodiola, Siberian ginseng, we know licorice can be really helpful. Um, So these are all very important things. We, We also know that For women who have a lot of problems with hirsutism, what happens is that the test they have a tendency to convert their testosterone into this thing called dihydrotestosterone (DHT). Now, this is where women with PCOS can get the receding hairline; they can get hair loss because DHT is terrible for your hair follicles and it causes your hair to fall out. So, male pattern baldness—you know—people have an issue with their DHT um, receptors. So, for women, um, if we can actually decrease the amount of DHT they're producing, they can actually have an improvement in their symptoms. Yes, and there are yes. things like saw palmetto, um, which is another herbal thing that can actually prevent conversion um, of your testosterone into DHT and can be quite helpful to minimise hirsutism and, and the, the, the the issues that really affect women with PTOS. Um, the other thing that um, is really, really helpful in PCOS is natural progesterone treatment. So um, we know that, you know, we've already discussed that in PCOS, because of the high testosterone levels, women are not ovulating. So One of the ovulating is they're not producing enough progesterone. And not pro- progesterone is a really important hormone. It's our natural tranquilizer. It makes people feel a lot calmer. This is why women feel really good in pregnancy, because they've got very high levels of progesterone. So progesterone is really, really important. And um, what we know that if you give women, so women who are not getting any periods at all, or very few periods who have got um, PCOS, if we give them natural progesterone, for two weeks of their cycle, in 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 like a um, in a cyclical form, within three to twelve months, they can often reestablish some kind of cyclicity in their pattern. So it actually reestablishes the connection between um, the brain and the ovaries. So that's that's really really important. Um, we also know that women who have PCOS very often they have quite a bit of estrogen, but they don't have enough progesterone, and the balance between estrogen and progesterone is quite important. So. Um, we, we know that if we give them natural progesterone, we, we, we improve this balance between the Eastern and progesterone. We decrease their Eastern dominant symptoms, which can often be breast tenderness, weight gain, bloating. So a lot of these hormonal symptoms can be a lot better with the natural progesterone. We also know that progesterone inhibits five um, alpha reductase, which is the enzyme that converts the testosterone to the DHT. So if we can stop that, we can also help their hirsutism so I think this is really, really important. So this is a very common treatment for women with PCOS at the Marion Gluck Clinic, where we will give them bioidentical progesterone treatment. We can give it to them as a cream. It's very easy to use, you know, one pump of cream twice a day for the second half of their cycle in a pattern. And this can often really, really help them. And, you know, we have very good results with this. Um, and this is something that is just not available um, in the NHS. Yes, um, yes. And it's very important for people listening to this webinar to not go, and think well I'm going to buy some natural progesterone on the internet it is natural progesterone is not harmful um, but it does need to be given by a qualified medical professional who yes. knows what they're doing with it. So please, please, please don't go out and get some online because you can buy it online. And this is what gives bioidenticals a bad name. But at the at the clinic I work at, we have a specialist pharmacy where we specifically compound the creams for each individual patient. And when we say it's got this amount of progesterone in it, it has that amount of progesterone Absolutely. in it. So that's very, very important. And it's really important you know, that people realize that there are ways that we can try and help their bodies. And this is actually where, you know, we're looking at the root cause. We're looking at the fact that one of the issues of the hormonal imbalance is not producing enough progesterone so instead of putting someone on the pill and blocking it all out making it worse yeah yeah we're looking at the root cause we're thinking well if we actually up the progesterone what happens is that that then sends a positive signal to your brain and your brain then stops producing a much as much of the luteinizing hormone which then raises your testosterone levels Mm. so this is a way we can balance your body in a much more natural way um, that's not that's that's also teaching you much more awareness about you know
0: your your hormonal balance yeah 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 absolutely yeah you know uh supplement inositol
1: uh yes i was just gonna i i'm just gonna say that i meant to talk a little bit about the supplements that are really really beneficial in pcos so vitamin d vitamin d is actually like a hormone and it's really really essential for women's health issues so pcos women must take vitamin D. Um, Now, a lot of women with darker skin types have naturally low vitamin D levels. So it's really important to get your level checked by your GP and make sure you're taking enough. Some women need to take 2,000 units, international units a day to get the amount of vitamin D that they need because their bodies are not very good at absorbing it. So vitamin D, really, really important. Complex B vitamins, are also very important for lots of different metabolic processes in your body omega-3 fatty acids we've talked about now. myo-inositol or inositol um actually is used quite a lot in the functional medicine world and in a lot of studies it's been as effective as metformin without but without all of the yes, side effects so, yeah so myo-inositol definitely um, there's also um other things that we use in the functional medicine world like n-acetyl cysteine glutathione coq10 l-carnitine these are all things that help detox Uh, the body. These are all things that can help um, the ovarian environment to promote ovulation. So, you know, when women come with fertility issues um, with PCOS, you know, very often some of these supplements can be quite helpful in getting them cycling again and getting their ovulation healthy without them Mm -hmm. diving into having IVF treatments. The other thing is the minerals that are really important. So people who've got insulin resistance, they use up their minerals, um, at a much faster rate so zinc magnesium and selenium are really really important we know that zinc can protect cell membranes against the damage from all of those leaky fatty acids that we've talked about yes, that can be yes. quite toxic um, so yeah th- those minerals are really quite important um, which you know you can get from your food but in you know if we're identifying that you've got deficiencies of any of these we yes, can actually yes. then target those those things absolutely
0: absolutely uh, so if, if, if people wanted to obviously get in touch with you, uh, whether to go to the clinic or directly with you, if they listen to this, if you know what, I think I need to speak to, to you, to, to someone about this uh, or yourself or anybody at the clinic, how do they go by to, to find um, you guys?
1: So essentially, um, the Marion Glut Clinic now we are we're completely online okay. um, because of COVID. Um, so it's very easy for you to um, access our clinic. So it's the Marion Glut Clinic. If you, if you um, I think you'll, you'll probably give people links at the end of this. Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so essentially, you can go onto our website. We've got a uh, we've got wonderful information on there. Um, we've got lots of blogs. Um, we've got um, you know information about what goes on in our clinic. There's lots of doctors. There's quite a few doctors that work there. I work there, um, one day a week. So you can, you can ring up and make an appointment. Um, Amazing and and yeah we're really happy to help you um and if people want to find more
0: find out more about you and they want to follow your work your journey is there anywhere they can find you
1: um i have got um i i do do quite a lot of writing for the clinic so a lot of i do put a lot of blogs on the marion Gluck clinic i do have an instagram account um uh, and, and and a facebook page um, where I do post stuff on as well. So, right. my, yeah, so I should probably give I'll you put, those links, shouldn't yeah. I? If yeah, you, so if you so one, the
0: links for, obviously, the, the website for the clinic, for your Facebook, I've got it, but I don't know if it's a different page.
1: And um, then, yeah, you've got, I think you've got Facebook, you've probably got, I don't know whether you've, no, I think I did send you a link to my um, I've, got, I've got your,
0: hormone page and if you send me, page. send me all the links anyway.
1: I'll send you all of the links, yeah. So people can, um, so I do tend to put quite a lot of things on my Facebook bioidentical hormone and functional medicine page. So anything that I think is quite interesting and relevant to functional medicine or hormones, I I tend to post on that page. So people can follow follow me on that. Um, Yeah. But um, yeah, my deepest hope is to empower women to take control of their health and realize you don't need a pill for every ill. And, you know, with, with the right support and help, you know, look at natural holistic solutions um to 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 help your body and to to help you live your best life.
0: Absolutely. And I think the next one I wanted to talk to you about would be menopause and perimenopause. I think yeah we'll we'll
1: do do one on perimenopause and menopause and then uh, the other one that we were going to do is Andropause. So I really want to talk
0: about that one too. Yeah
1: yeah we'll do that one. I'm really
0: excited for all of them (laughs) because you know we're giving so much good information uh yeah and uh, hopefully people are going to listen to this and start acting on their on their on their life
1: I hope so So, I hope so I think I mean you know as we were talking about at the beginning of our, our podcast here you know unfortunately medicine in the NHS is moving much more towards a depersonalized model You know, even in my own practice, I've been a GP partner in my practice for 22 years now. You know, and I loved that personalised approach. I loved being able to, you know, really know my patients. And I've known patients for 22 years. I've followed families through, and I really loved that. And I think it's really sad now that you know, even before the COVID crisis, we were getting into a much more depersonalised model. You know, where it's online access. It's um, you know, even hospitals are giving people appointments. Mm. Uh, you know virtually and it's video consultations and telephone consultations and look it's the NHS is fantastic we we are able to provide a baseline level of healthcare for everybody in this country absolutely. and that's an amazing thing absolutely but, it can't provide you with absolutely everything, you know, and I think, you know, it's important for people to realise sometimes they might need to investigate things for themselves. You know, private medicine does not have to be only for people with insurance. You know, sometimes people do need to seek extra support um, for their particular problem, you know, and, and you know, because health is really important and we do need to invest in our health. Yes. in In our health.
0: I think, obviously, as you said, you know, the NHS is massively under pressure and there's not enough staff. And they haven't got the time to to, to yeah. be personalized yeah. anymore.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, you know, at the Marion Club Clinic, we our initial consultation is between 45 minutes, it's 45 minutes, you know, an yeah. hour slot. So we've got 45 minutes, and you can really get to know somebody in 45 minutes. Whereas in NA, you know NHS general practice, you have 10 to 15 minutes per yep. yeah. patient max. Yeah. So it's very hard to get the level of information
0: um,
1: that really helps you understand that patient and what is going to help that patient.
0: Absolutely. It's been absolutely a pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you. you. Thank you very much, Helder. Thank you for taking your time and I look forward to the next one.
1: Definitely. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.